focusing on prayer. And we've learned, I mean, so much when it comes to prayer. And uh, what I wanted to do is I want to kind of recap. On Sunday, uh, Pastor talked about uh, the altar of prayer, right? We learned about the altar of prayer. And when it comes to prayer in itself, there's three things that prayer must be. There are three things that prayer must be. Now, if you remember this, uh, prayer must be, number one, it must be daily, right? Prayer must be daily because we understand that powerful praying is not just emergency praying. That is not something we do casually or when we feel like it. It's a daily habit that we must practice to make sure that what we are in tune with God. Because if, you, if you're in a relationship with somebody and they only talk to you when they need something, it's not much of a relationship. So when it comes to prayer, prayer must be daily. Everybody say daily. daily. The second thing is prayer must be deliberate. It must be deliberate. Uh, James 4 and 3 says you ask and you do not receive. Or some of you I say you have not because you ask not. Um, and it, he ends it off. He said because when you ask, you, you do what you want to do with it. And the thing about our prayers is it has the ability to, do, to be powerful when it's done deliberately. So we have to get into a habit of stop praying prayers that you yourself are not serious about. Meaning that you're saying, God, I want to lose weight, but yet you ain't do not nan push up, not nan sit up, not nan crunch, you know, want budget so you can get your little gym membership. You know, when we pray, God, I need you to help me with this attitude. But every time a situation arises, we won't steal ourselves long enough to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. We always want to, you know, speak what we feel at that moment. So our prayers must be deliberate. Everybody say deliberate. And number three, prayer must be direct. Prayer must be direct. When it comes to coming to God in prayer, we must come boldly. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, come to the throne boldly. We have to learn to come to the throne of God boldly meaning that we are very direct with prayer. You know, there's nothing more annoying when somebody's asking you something, but they're not asking you something. And you have to try to figure out what it is they're trying to ask you, and you get to the point where you say, just say what it is. You know? And it's the same thing with our prayer. When you come to God, you must be direct with your prayer. But one thing that we realize is we realize that God responds to altar activity. God responds to altar activity. The altar is the meeting place where I can run to and feel the presence of God. I'm going to say that again. The altar is the meeting place that I can run to and feel the presence of God. So Jesus, he built, in, he built uh, an altar of prayer. There were three places that Jesus built an altar of prayer. Do you guys remember what it was? Number one was what? In the wilderness. Somebody was paying attention on Sunday. Okay. And the wilderness represented a place of temptation and duration. And we understand this because when you go to the wilderness, it's a place that reminds you of the victories that you once had. And also the places that the Lord has brought you out of. So it's a good thing to go to the wilderness to remind you of those things. Because then it kind of gives you that confidence that God did it before and he'll do it again. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the wilderness is good because it shows you that God, it's a place that God delivered you from. Because if he did it before, he'll do it again. And sometimes the wilderness is there because it allows us not to get stuck in our own head. It allows us to be aware of what's going, of the things that's around us to show us that God is really with us. That we're not stuck in our own mind, but we understand that we're in a place where God has us covered and he keeps us and he continuously is with us. And that's what the wilderness provides for you, a place where you're not stuck in your own head. But it's a place also that reminds you of the victory you came out of. Second thing, uh, the second place uh, Jesus built an altar of prayer was on the mountain. Luke 6, 12 and 13 says one of those days Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When the morning came, he called to his disciples and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles when it comes to being on the mountain number one sometimes we need to get high enough to see the bigger picture sometimes you have to ex exclude yourself and get to a high enough position so you can see the bigger picture because sometimes when we're on the same level playing ground our vision is skewed and we can't see the bigger picture 
Second thing is, we must be selective and specific who we spend time with. We have to be selective and specific on who we spend time with. Jesus went up to the mountainside and he did, the first thing was he prayed. It wasn't until after he prayed that he was able to decide who the disciples were. So saints, when it comes to uh, making certain selections on who should uh, get your time, the first thing you should do is what? You need to pray. You need to pray. And the third thing is when it comes to the mountain is that I must see what I can't see when I'm on the same level. So the mountain represents a place that allows you to see the bigger picture, but also it allows you to see things that you cannot see when you're on the same level. So the first place that Jesus built an altar of prayer was in the wilderness. The second, time, the second place was the mountain. And the third place was the solitary place. Everybody say solitary place. Mark, Mark chapter 1 and verse number 35 through 39, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So when it comes to that solitary place, it allows you to seclude yourself because sometimes people can have a tendency to where they're always asking of you. Always asking of you, always looking for you to do, always asking for you to be there. And what do you do sometimes when you have nothing left to give? You know, when you have nothing left to give, you know, you've given so much, you, you, you don't even have a chance to really get refilled. And one of the saints said it, it leaves you frustrated. You get to a place where you're frustrated. Has anybody ever gotten to a place to where you feel like you're just always pulled in every single direction to the place where you... You can't even get a time to yourself. Jesus said, hold on, man. We're just going to go somewhere else. Because these people are looking for me. Uh, I need to get refilled. I need to get replenished so I can do what I need to do. And sometimes people will pull on you not even realizing that, hey, sometimes, I, I, you know, you got things you need to do, you know. So, the, so when it comes to creating an altar of prayer, it was, number one, the wilderness. Number two, the mountain. And number three, a solitary place, right? So when it comes to prayer, when it comes to prayer, there are two important conditions you must obtain in order for you to effectively pray. If you're writing things down, if you're writing it down, the first condition you must have in order to effectively pray is that you must have a quiet time. You have to have a quiet time. You have to have a quiet time. And there's a reason and a, a purpose for having a quiet time with God. So I'm going to give you the purpose, the purpose of why it's good to have a quiet time with God so you can pray. The first thing is to give devotion to God. To give devotion to God if you're writing. Psalms 29 and 2. Psalms 29 and 2. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it for you. It says, give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. I'm going to say that again. Give to the Lord glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. That's Psalm 29 and 2. And in 2 Chronicles 31 and 29, it says, Hezekiah was successful because everything he did, he did in a spirit of complete devotion to his God. Hezekiah was successful because he did, uh, he did in the spirit of complete devotion to God. Second Chronicles 31 and 29 and 21. And Hezekiah was a great example of him focusing and giving devotion to God. And because of that, God made sure that he was successful in the thing he did. So when it comes to having a quiet time, it, the first thing is to give devote. The purpose is to give devotion to God. Because when you give God what's due to him, he'll make sure that you're successful in the things that you do. When you give God his, he'll make sure that you are successful in what you need to do. So the second thing is uh, to get direction from God, to get direction from God. Now, I need everybody to turn to Psalms 25 and verse number four. Psalm 25 
and verse number four. Psalm 25 and verse number four. When you have it, say, I got it. Uh-oh. Y'all still scrolling? I'll wait on you. If you got it, say, I got it. If you need more time, say, hold on. 25 and 4. Psalm 25 and 4. It says, show me the path where I should go, O Lord. Point out the right road for me to walk. Lead me. So to get direction from God in your quiet time, sometimes if we be honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't even know where to go. We don't know if we're coming. We don't know if we're going. We don't know if we're up and if we're down. And when it comes to that quiet times, it, it allows you to seclude and to isolate yourself to a place to where you can really, really hear God. Because I don't know about you, but how many people can say that I've gone down some roads that was not ordained by God? That I've chosen my own path, I've chosen my own thing to do, and God is saying, I need you to get into that quiet place so that way I can give you direction. And the psalmist here is saying, show me the path where I should go. Oh Lord, point out the right road for me to walk. Not let me choose the, walk, the, that, the road that I think is good, but Lord, you show me the walk on. Second thing is, when it comes to getting direction to God, is you need to commit your day. Everybody turn to Psalms 37 and verse number 5. Just scroll over a, a couple pages. Yeah, it's, it's like around the corner. And 5, 37 and 5. 37 and 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him to help you do it, and he will. Say that again. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him to help you do it, and he will. When you're in that quiet place to God, and remember how we said that our prayers must be direct. When you come to God with everything, and you come with him with trust, do you know that he'll answer your prayers? Do you know that he'll help you with the things that you sincerely come to him about? Because remember that deliberate prayer of how we say don't come to God unless you're serious about what you're praying for? And here the psalmist is saying if you commit yourself, everything you do to the Lord, he'll help, he will help you do it. Whatever it is you need help from God, he will help you do it. So the first thing is to give devotion to God. The second thing is to get direction from God. And here's the third thing, to grow more like God. To grow more like God. Now, Jesus himself, Jesus had the power of God by which he was given us everything we need to live in to serve God. We have these things because we know him. With these gifts, you can share in being like God. This is 2 Peter 1 and 4. And then Acts 4 says, when the council saw the boldness of Peter and John, they were amazed and realized that what being with Jesus had done for them. Do you know that when you walk with God, people will start to see the God in you? I'll say that again. Do you know that when you walk with God, people start to see the God in you? Because it amazes me that sometimes in today's society that people can't differentiate who's with God and who's not. Because it has to do with how much quiet time or time we're really spending with God. Because they say this in your marriage. You know how they say when people are married, for those who are married, you feed somebody long enough and you start looking like them? Catch the revelation in that. If you feed somebody long enough, you start looking like them, which means that whoever you're eating from, you start to look like. And saints, I have a question for you. Who you eating from? Who you eating from that you taking on their resemblance? So if someone was to say, if someone was to ask you, uh, you know, who, uh, <laughs> who you look like, it wouldn't say physically who you look like, but what are your attributes showing? What are your attributes showing? What kind of fruit are you showing when it comes to who you're spending time with? Is it fruit of attitude? Is it fruit of anger? Is it fruit of slander? Is it fruit of backbiting? Or is it fruit of love, joy, peace? Here's a cuss word, long-suffering. 
I mean, somebody do something one time to you and you done cut them off. You know, what fruits are you showing? Because if we're spending time with God, what's going to happen is we start to resemble him because those fruits start to come out of us. Dang, y'all quiet on me today. Come on, I'm talking better than y'all saying something, nah? They were in it. Acts 4 says that they were amazed when they realized that being what, what being with Jesus has done for them. Because when you walk with God, you start to grow and be more like God. So the first thing is the purpose of having a quiet time with God is, one, to give devotion to God. Number two, to get direction from God. And number three, to grow more like God. But there's a reason why you must have quiet time. There is a reason. There's a reason why you must have a quiet time with God. And the first reason is, if you're writing something down, is we were created to have fellowship with God. We were created. We were created to have fellowship with God. And then when I think about God created me to have fellowship with him, that actually brought joy to my heart. And I don't know about you if it brought joy to you, but that actually brings joy to my heart because you specifically designed me so I can be close to you. And if I'm close to you, I know that you can supply every single one of my needs. I know you can do anything that I ever ask of you to do. And the fact that you would create me to have fellowship with you gives me joy because that means you want me. And that is something that puts a smile on our face. Don't you know that your God wants you? He designed you specifically to have fellowship with him. And in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27, it says, So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Which means that everybody he created, he created to have fellowship with him. And I don't know about you, but I love having fellowship with God. There's nothing like getting in God's presence and he just fills me up no matter what I'm experiencing, no matter what I'm going through. And he feels I love having fellowship with God. I wish I had two or three people that can agree with me that say that they love having fellowship with God. The second reason why you need to have a quiet time with God is that you cannot be a healthy Christian without it. You cannot be a healthy Christian without it. Now. I know we haven't really read out loud, uh, but for the sake of this uh, message right here, uh, this Bible study that I'm uh, teaching, uh, we're going to go to Matthew 4 and 4. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 and go to verse number 4. Oh, snap, I didn't think about that. Just go to Matthew 4. <laughs> Give me NIV if you got NIV. Well, the saints so smart sometimes. Yeah, I just be asking questions. What I ask you? <laughs> I'm just messing. Matthew 4 and 4, just give me the NIV version. Jesus. All right. Uh, I want everybody to read this on the count of three. On the count of three, read. One, two, three, read. Okay, perfect. That you cannot live on bread alone, but every word that, that comes out of the mouth of God. How can you eat on the words that comes out of the mouth of God if you never spend time with him? If you never spend time with him, how do you know what's coming out of his mouth? Can we all agree that we need to spend time with God so we know what he's saying? Right? As saints, we need to spend time with him. And this is a way that Jesus lets us know that you have to spend time with God in order for you to be fed because you cannot be a healthy Christian without it. It's the same thing where they say where you are what you eat. You are what you eat. You are what you eat. So the first reason why we must have quiet time is because we were created to have fellowship with God. We were created to have fellowship with God. And then the second reason is that you cannot be a healthy Christian without it. But the third thing is this, that personal time alone with God was Jesus's source of strength. Luke 22 and 39 says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. Now, what was what was significant about that is that it didn't say Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives by itself, it said that Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives as usual, which means that it was a repeat 
routine that he kept doing, meaning that he had to constantly go out and pray. He had to. And it says his disciples followed him. His disciples followed him. Personal time with God is vital and essential in the life of a believer. And we have to make sure that just like Jesus did, had to go and spend personal time with God, that we ourselves have to make sure that we spend personal time with God. Because here it is, the son of man who is 100% man, 100% God, he himself still knew, still felt the significance or the importance to go and make sure that, hey, I'm about to take on something that's heavy. I'm about to take on something that's about to be real serious. And I need to continuously go to God and I need to talk to my father. Because some of us need to realize there's some stuff you can't handle and carry by yourself. You need to make sure that you have a daily routine of going to God and making sure that he covers you, that he equips you for the things that you're getting ready to carry. And the reality is some of you are far more anointed than you realize. You're carrying something heavy. And you need to make sure that you have a daily personal alone time with God. So the first main point is that we need to have a quiet time with God, right? And the purpose is to give him devotion, to get direction, and to grow more like God. And the reason is because we were, we were created to have fellowship. We cannot be a healthy Christian without it. And three, that Jesus gave us an example that personal time alone uh, was along with God was his source of strength. But my question is this. Uh, what is the most common time of day for prayer? What is the most common time that one should pray? You guys can shout it out. What is the most common time of day? In the morning? In the morning, at night, all through the day, lunchtime, all day. Okay, every time. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, okay, perfect. So, so what time should we pray? So turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1 and verse number 35. Mark 1 and 35. Mark 1 and 35. Mark 1 and 35. When you got it, say, I got it. All right, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Jesus said, Now in the morning, now in the morning. Why is it vital? Why is it essential that we must pray? In the morning, because the reality is we cannot see the future or the things that we're getting ready to face. And we can go out unequipped to deal with the things that's getting ready to happen. So you have to make sure that in the morning that you're covered, that you're covered, that you're covered, because you don't know what you're about to take on. You don't know what you're about to experience. You don't know what you're about to face or what the day's going to look like. So you have to make sure that you're covered. The best example that I can give is, is this. Um, I... Um, when it comes to being covered and being prepared, I look at his prayer as preparing you, you know, fellowship and, you know, communication with God, but also preparing you, getting your mind right to deal with what you're getting ready to face. And the best example that I can give you is when a person decides to, to work out with someone who's experienced. Um, I remember one time I made the fatal mistake of thinking that I can hang with somebody uh, who is already in shape. And sometimes, and catch the revelation this, sometimes our egos will make us think that we can do stuff that we're not ready to take along. Which is why sometimes we can go out and not even pray because we think that we got it. So, now, so I'm going to give you all this and catch the revelation. And so my ego said, man, please, I got this. Went into the gym with this uh, individual, you know, and was trying to do everything they was trying to do. Um, thinking that I can do it. Not realizing that I needed to temper myself. Meaning that there's a preparation period that needed to take place before I went on and started participating in certain activities. And my God. I mean, it was horrible. I couldn't put deodorant on by myself for like a week. I had to get my daughter to help me to put on deodorant. Why? Because what I did was I went into a situation unprepared thinking that I can handle it. And what ended up happening is I inflicted more pain on myself that I could even take on. 
And the reality is sometimes when you leave the house without praying, you can take on some stuff that you were not even really able to handle. So when the pain comes and it's greater than what you thought, it's because you left the house unprepared for what was getting ready to take place. And I don't know about you, but I've learned my lesson that I need to make sure that I am prepared. Before I leave the house, I need to make sure I open my mouth and say, God, in the morning, I'm going to speak to you because I don't know what's getting ready to happen on this day. I don't know what type of coworker I'm going to come across. I don't know what type of family member I'm going to come across. I don't know what I'm going to do on today, God. So I need you to cover me. I need you to cover me over my kids. I need you to cover me for some of y'all over my spouse. Uh, I need you to cover this house. I need you to cover this mind. So you need to be prepared before you leave that house. You got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. So Jesus say early in the morning is the best time. Because by retiring thus early in the morning for prayer, it teaches us that it's, the, it's a fit season, yet it's the best season for private duties. There our spirits are most fresh, our minds are most free before the cares and distractions of the day have broken in upon us. And I like this because the writer was saying, it is better to go from prayer to business than business to prayer. I'm going to say that again. It is better to go from prayer to business than business to prayer. Let me ask y'all something, and this is a question. Um, how do you feel when somebody, when you have the answers to something, but they come to you last? Be honest. Throw it, shout it out. Just be honest. Y'all want to be honest tonight? You're you going to feel some type of way, right? You're going to feel some type of way. Let's, let's be real. Let's be honest. You're going to feel some type of way that somebody comes to you last, you know, when they have the option of coming to you first. And you, you've already extended that. And then they wait until they exhaust everything else and then try to come to you. You know? And then they don't bump their head. And like you said, I, I, I told you I was going to help you. I told you I was there for you. And it's the same thing with our prayer life. We have to make sure that God is not our last resort, but he is our first option. So the second thing is, Jesus says early in the morning, but the psalmist, the psalmist encourages us that not just early in the morning, but we need to have an encounter with God early in the morning. Now, I'm going to give you a few scriptures to write down. Uh, the first one is go to Psalms 5, 1 and 3. Psalms chapter 5, verse 1 and 3. Psalms 5, verse 1 and 3. 1 through 3, I'm sorry. Psalms 5, verse 1 through 3. It says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. The psalmist is encouraging us to have an early morning encounter with God, which means that the first voice that he feels God should hear is his voice. And uh, Minister Teresa blessed me. This happened a while ago. And uh, she said, good morning, Jesus. And she said it, and I did not understand the significance of it. Because sometimes God will make you go through something to understand what it actually means. And it's the fact that before I even pick up my phone and text somebody good morning, before I even check my phone on social media, the first thing I need to say is, good morning, Jesus. I need to have that early morning encounter with you. The first voice that you should hear, Lord, is my voice. And I want to have that experience with you. Why? Because I need an encounter from you. I need to feel your presence just like... We say that you don't get into the presence of God when you get to church. It should have already happened while you was at the house. When the first thing before your feet even touched the ground that you started already getting into his presence because you know that if I don't have an encounter with God, I don't know what's going to happen to me on today. And the psalmist writes that we need to have an early morning encounter with God. That was Psalms 5 verse 1 to 3. 1 through 3. And then write this down. You don't have to turn to it. Psalms 88, verse 13. Psalms 88, verse number 13. The psalmist says, But to you I have cried out, O Lord, 
in the morning, my prayer becomes before you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Now, even in that, he's saying that my prayer comes before you in the morning, which means that you are the first thing that I'm speaking to in the morning. And then write this down, Psalms 119 and 147. Psalms 119 and 147, it says, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. Even before the sun rises, God, it's to you I cry. It's not to a social media post. It's not to that dysfunctional friend who's going to give me dysfunctional advice. It's not to my own demises, but it's to you that I cry out in the morning. Why? Because I know that if I cry to you and you give me, you'll give me the answer to my prayers. I know that you'll, you can handle what it is that I'm giving to you. So the psalmist encourages us to have an early morning encounter with God. We, we are still on, on the subject of prayer. And the reason why is because we want to make sure that we're giving God the first of our everything. The first of our everything. The first of our everything. Now, it's funny how, you know, if you grew up in a household full of, full of siblings and things like that, um, and, you know, either you had a parent, a guardian, a grandparent, and, you know, when that food is freshly cooked, I mean, that food is freshly cooked. It's smelling good. You know, everything just uh, just marinated right. You want to make sure that when that pot lid comes out, that you be the first to get that plate. Because, you know, when you get that, you get that first plate, if it just tastes so it just tastes better when you get that first plate it just tastes good it just sits right in your stomach and you just you know and it's the same thing when it comes to our prayer life to God we want to give him the first of our everything the bible says our first fruit and i know sometimes we we only attribute first fruit to money but no god is saying i need the first of your worship i need the first of your adoration i need the first of your issues i need the first of your heart's cry I need the first of all of that, not the rest of it. Because if you give me the first, I'll bless the rest. If you give me the first, I'll handle the rest. If you give me the first, I'll make sure that the rest is handled and it works out for your good. So the first reason why we must have an early morning encounter is because we want to make sure that we're giving God the first of our everything. Matthew 6 and 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The problem is we're doing, we're, we're trying to get a whole bunch of stuff added without doing enough seeking. We're waiting for all this stuff to get added, but yet we're not doing seeking. God, I need you to give me peace. Seek my righteousness. God, I need you to help me in my finances. Seek my righteousness. Because if you seek my righteousness, you'll be a better steward over what I've already given you and realize that you already got it. God, I need you to heal my body. Well, if you, t if you seek me and I'll give you wisdom, I'll tell you that, hey, certain stuff you don't need to put in your body. But it's not you put it in first and then you go seek. It mm -mm, doesn't happen that way. God is saying if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, I will add those things to you. So I'll give you a peace that's beyond understanding. I'll give you a joy that people can't even explain why you have a smile on your face. I mean, they conspiring on your job to try to fire you, but yet you come in with a smile saying, good morning, good morning. And people are saying, man, why do you have a smile? Because I've seeked his righteousness and his kingdom first. And what he's done, he's added unto me the joy that I need. He can, he can bless your life financially. He can bless your life in your health and whatever it is, but you must first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. So the second thing is it establishes priority. It establishes priority. It establishes priority. So when we have an early morning encounter with God, we're saying, God, you are important to me. You are important to me. And sometimes we even can take this in a context of our own personal relationship, you know, because you know, there's, there's certain relationships that we have where we feel a certain type of way if people don't speak to us, right? You know, that, you know, they have stuff and, you know, they don't even holler at us or, you know, things like that. And when we have a, a relationship, a real relationship with God, we make him a priority, which is why before, like I said, before you take your phone and check social media, you talk to him. Before you text anybody, 
you need to text spiritually to God and speak to him. Where's his text message? Where's his good morning? Where's his all of that? And we need to make sure that we have that early morning encounter with God. So the first thing is we're giving God the first of our everything. And the second thing is that it establishes priority. And the first thing is we talked about early in the morning and having an early morning encounter. But it is important to have this. A daily routine of prayer. A daily routine of prayer. A daily routine. Because if you say to yourself, you know, you're trying to, let's just say if you try to work out, right? Try to work out. If you work out once a week, let's be honest, are you going to hit get the results that you're looking for? You're not. You still going to look like a popsicle stick, you know? I'm, I don't know. That's the first thing that came to mind. So I don't know why it just came to mind because it, it doesn't have shape. Big top, little skinny. Well, that woke you up. So, you know, if, you, if you're not consistent in the things you do, you're not going to get the results. Just like for some people say, I want to learn how to cook. Well, if you only cook maybe once every six months, will you know how to cook? No. You got to practice, you know. I'm just trying to make it live for y'all. I'm trying to give y'all, because I heard some of y'all don't heat up no pots. But we're going we, we to leave that alone right there. We're going to leave that alone right there. I'm just trying to make it live for you, all right? But we have to get into a daily, daily, daily routine of prayer. And, you know, if I be honest with you, um, and I don't like when God does this, but because I said, God, I need, I, I said, you can do this, so I've given him permission to do it, so he can do it. I don't like when God puts me in a position where I got no choice but to talk to him all day. I mean, I ain't got no choice. Because, God, if I don't talk to you, boy, I'm about to set it off in this thing. I'm about to set it off. So, Lord, I need to talk to you because I'm, 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 I want to get real stupid right now, and I'm not going to do that, so I'm going to talk to you. So, you know, got a situation I'm dealing with right now. Lord, Lord, Lord. I ain't never called the Lord name so much times in my life. I, and I'm so serious. I mean, I'm calling him, like, every hour, Lord, Jesus, God. Jesus, hey, I, hey, Lord, you see, Lord, they got, they got, Lord, one more, Lord, and he'll put you in that situation where you have no choice but to constantly talk to him. So prayer must be daily, and, and here's what happens, and here's what happens when you, when you build that daily momentum or that daily routine with prayer, it becomes second nature to you. So what happens is when you start coming across these situations and circumstances, the first thing you think of, God, I need to talk to you right now. I need to talk to you right now because, God, I need to release something to you that I know that you can handle. And I know that when I release it to you, that you can give me the assurance I need that the situation is going to work out. I may not see it. I may not understand it, but I know that you're going to work it out because there are certain times that God will put you in. The, he will put you in the fire. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, you didn't know that there's certain times that God will put you in a fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did the king say? The king says that three went in, but I saw four. Because how do you know that God is a keeper unless you're in a situation that he needs to keep you? And that's what prayer helps you with. Certain things, he'll put you in certain situations so you can see that he is a keeper. But I need you to communicate with me so you can stay in tune with me so I can show you that you can be in the fire and not smell like smoke. That was good right there. I ain't gonna lie, that was good right there. To God be the glory for all he has done. So sometimes we need to thank God for being in them fiery situations because it's teaching you to communicate with him because there's certain situations that, listen, your best friend can't help you with, your mama can't help you with, your mama can't help, I mean, your, your money can't help you with, your education can't help you with. You know that you need to reach out to God because he is the only one that can help you in this type of a situation. So we must have a daily habit of prayer a daily habit of prayer now the only thing about having a daily habit of prayer is that it is there is a price to pay for it there is a price to pay this is the back this is this is the flip side of that when you're when you're trying to develop a daily habit of prayer with God there's going to be a price to pay for that you know why because sometimes the enemy it's two the enemy and the inner me y'all got it the enemy and the enemy is going to try to stop you. 
Why? Because the enemy knows if you can get connected to God, that you'll be a threat to his camp. So what will happen is he'll try to throw everything in your way to get you not to speak to God. What will happen is then your old habits become more attractive than talking to God. Your old friends become more attractive than talking to God. I mean, your own devices become more attractive than talking to God. And if you don't get into that daily habit, that, that routine of talking to God, sometimes you can find yourself teetering. Teetering. Can we be honest? There's been times where sometimes you don't want to talk to God. There's times you want to be mad. There's times you, you want to kind of go off on a tangent and let, give them two, three, four, seventeen 17 pieces of your mind. If we be 100% honest. But you have to get into a place to where you're having this daily routine, meaning that you're talking to God every day, every day. And I say, it, and, and this is just for me, Some, and, and it, it frustrates me, but yet it grows me and develops me, is that God will make me live through the word. He will make me live through the word. I can't stand it. I, I really can't. And I'm just being, I can't because it hurts sometimes. It's frustrating sometimes. I want to throw in the towel. But the reality is, even when you want to throw in a towel, he, he, he gives you a peace. He gives you a joy. Like, where did this come from? Because if you seek, there it is, seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, he'll add some things to you. So we got to get into that habit of seeking God daily. We got to get into the habit of seeking God daily, which goes back to our prayers. It must be daily. It must be deliberate. And it must be direct. Say that again. It must be what? It must be, and it must be. So when it comes to prayer, the first thing is that we talked about that you must have a quiet time. You must have a quiet time when it comes to prayer. Now, here's where it takes a turn. Mm. You must have a quiet mind. You must have a quiet mind when praying and seeking God. Because when it comes to praying... Do you know that when a lot of stuff are like running through your mind, it's hard for you to focus and really seek God? I mean, have you ever gotten to a place where you're trying to pray and the only thing you can think about is what happened or what someone did to you or how a situation played out and you're trying to push, but the only thing you could think about is that? Like you're thinking about how they didn't text you back and you're wondering where they at? Look at y'all, y'all. I don't want to be honest right now, but yeah, I be thinking that. Or there's certain times where somebody on your job, your job just crossed you. And now you're thinking, man, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get back to work. Or you're thinking about a situation where you feel like you're about to get fired. And now you're trying to see God. And the only thing you're saying, God, I got these bills. If I get fired, and, then, and here's how we flip a guy. You ain't going to get no tides. If I get fired from this job, ain't nobody going to get nothing, Lord. Because sometimes if we don't have a quiet mind, the stresses and the distractions of life will tend to take over and they'll tend to oversee and, they'll over, and they keep replaying in our minds to where now we can't even really focus and really, really see God. So we must have a quiet mind. Everybody say a quiet mind. Psalms 131 says that I am humbled and quieted in your presence like a contented child. Con yeah, contented child who rest on its mother's lap. I'm your resting child and my soul is content in you. That when your mind is quiet and you're able to really seek God, that there's a certain place of contentment that you'll get, that you will find rest in the, in the Lord's lap. And there's things that David expresses, that he expresses having a meek heart in the moment. Because if you go back one chapter, if you read in uh, Psalms 130, he was crying out to God for God to hear his prayer. And then now he's in one chapter over saying that now I'm content because I am resting in the lap of my father. Have you ever gotten to the place to where you started telling God, God, I need you to hear my voice? That you had such a desperation, so deep, so passionate that you began to cry out to God for him to hear you? But the reality is that sometimes there are voices and sounds that are louder than God's. There are voices and sounds that's louder than God. And I'm going to give you these three, and I'm going to give you these three points of, um, of silence. 
of things that we need to silence in order for us to get to a place to where we really truly have a quiet mind and are able to seek God in prayer. Now, remember, we're still focusing on prayer. So the first thing, so the first voice you need to silence, I ain't, let me be honest with you. I'm going to preface this and say this with all honesty. When I first wrote it down, I, it was hard because I didn't, I, honestly, I did not want to say it. I did not want to talk about it. But I don't know if you have, you've gotten to the place with God that when God tells you to do something and you're about to say, no, I'm not about to do that. And then there's a certain level of conviction that hits you so hard. It's almost like somebody punched you in your stomach. And now it's like you got that feeling like, okay, I need to be obedient to God because this is heavy. So the first voice that you need to silence is the voice of sin. It's the voice of sin. It's one of those things that we really don't talk about. And we, we you know, we try to skirt over and sometimes we ask God, why aren't you hearing my prayers? And God is saying, I need you to silence the voice of sin. And God said, to, said this to me the other night, and I was sleeping, and I woke up, and I started praying. And God said to me, it's clear as day. How do you expect me to bless you in disobedience? You know there's, you know there's times where you be like, God, was that really you? Or you try to kind of like, nah, that can't be God. I couldn't even deny it. I couldn't even deny it. I couldn't play with it. I could not. How can I bless you in disobedience? And sometimes when we come to God, God is saying, I need you to silence the voice of sin. Now, let me, let me do this this way. Because the problem with our perception when it comes to sin, the only thing we think about is sexing, drinking, partying, and all of that stuff. How about disobedience? Disobedience. Because God told you to go bless that individual, but you were still too focused on yourself, and you didn't do it. But now we're praying and saying, God, I need you to bless me. I need you to do this. Well, what happened when I told you to do that? Because he says when you do it to the least of these, then you're doing it unto me. And you don't know the prayer that that person prayed, and God put it on your heart for you to go answer that prayer. Because we need each other. How about slander? Stop talking about people and talk to God. Stop talking about people and talk to God. But yet we expect God to answer our prayers, but yet we dirty in people's name all over the city. Off of a misconception. Off of a misunderstanding. Off of a personal insecurity. How about pride? Pride. I mean, can't nobody tell you nothing? I mean, I thought we was cool. I thought, you know, I'm your fellow brother in Christ. I'm telling you this because I love you. But yet we have a tendency to exhibit pride and think that it is okay. What about deception? Have you ever met somebody that ain't always lying? I mean, they... <laughs> Bruh, sis, come on now. I saw you. <laughs> come on. I s stop. Just, you know. And here's one major thing. Accepting labels and walking them out. Well, somebody might say, well, how is that sin? Because anything that's contrary to God and disobedience is sin, right? God has said, you're blessed. But you're walking around here like you po. You're so broke, you can't even afford the OR. You po. And you're walking out them labels. You see how it, listen, that was, that was kind of funny. You see how it, and it came back around, and then it hit? I like when stuff do that, like, oh, snap. Beep. Catch it. But it's the fact that we're accepting labels and walking them out. Instead of, here it is, accepting who God called us to be. But see, but then, but then, here's the flip side. But then we're walking in the labels we've accepted that God never called us to accept. But yet now we're crying out to God saying, God, I need you to hear this. And God is saying, okay, I've already given you who you are. It's in my book. It's in my word. I need you to walk that out instead of the labels that people have put on you. I get it. We all have shortcomings. You are not your mistake. You are not your mistake. 
you are who God says that you are. Regardless of what you've gone through, regardless of what you've experienced, regardless of the word curses that people have spoken over your life, you are not that. You are who God says that you are. So the first voice we need to silence is the voice of sin, the voice of sin. The second thing is we need to silence the voice of associations, the voice of associations. One thing I realized about God is that God will not overtalk anyone. And because of that, we keep allowing the voices of dysfunctional people to drown out the voice of God. And the reality is when God does send good people with good spiritual counsel, we tend to fall out with those people. Listen, I, I, um, let me preface this correctly. So we have a uh, tendency to think that just because somebody is part of our history, that they're part of our destiny. And then we tend to remain loyal when, when it comes to us being a new creature and new creation, I hate to say it, but sometimes those loyalties was broken. Those ties was broken. Because you were connected with that person based on a dysfunction, but God is saying, I'm trying to connect you with people based on your purpose. And we have a tendency now that we keep listening to these dysfunctional people, and they're pouring into us. And God is saying, when are you going to silence those voices so I can pour into you? That's why you can't hear me. Because you have the wrong voices speaking to you. And if you, want to, and if you want to see, okay, okay, well, God, how do I, if I'm praying to you, God, and I'm not hearing what you're saying, how do I get into the place to where I hear you and, and not really focus on what the advice my friend gave me? One word, consecration. We need to learn how to consecrate ourselves. What it, okay. So that's what Pastor talking about. You know how you hear something in your head and it's like God speaking to you and saying, okay, I need you to explain what consecration is because they're looking at you crazy and some of them don't know what it is. It's where you get into a place where you isolate yourself from everything and everybody where you give soul devotion to God and you allow him to pour into you and speak to you. You consecrate, meaning that you remove yourself even from the things that you want to do. You consecrate yourself. It's almost like some people say the sabbatical, like I'm going on a sabbatical. If you don't use that no more. Uh, I thought about doing that, but I, I got to work. So I got to work. <laughs> but it's, it's where you get to a place where you actually consecrate yourself and you separate yourself. Why? Because now you're now in tune with what God is saying. Because you're silencing everything. I mean, I'm not even talking about just, I'm talking about everything. Everything. And you're able to hear what God is saying. So when you do that, you start to hear more clearly to what God's voice sounds like. It becomes louder and louder, and the voices of dysfunction become lower and lower. And then what ends up happening is then when they start speaking, something in your spirit says, mm, that's not right. That's not what God says. That's not what God wants me. That's not the direction God wants for me to go. Because sometimes God's way doesn't make any sense. Do y'all hear me? Sometimes God's way does not make any sense at all. It is, sometimes it's not logical. Best example, I ain't got enough money, but I'm going to pay my tithes. That's not logical. The logical thing for you to do is pay your bills, right? Pay. It's not logical for me to give God my first fruit and pay my tithe. I don't even got enough. But I remember a story that God took two fish and five loaves, and it says that he fed 5,000 women. Men, not including the women and children, fed 5,000, which means that when you really truly seek God, he can take what you have and he'll stretch it. He can take what you have and he'll stretch it. Trust me. When I, trust me. And I'll say that half of y'all probably don't, boy. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you get to a place to where you trust God like that, he'll move on your behalf. But sometimes we need to silence the voice of logic and hear the voice of the spirit. Because everybody going to tell you what's logic, what's logical. You need to cuss them out. Yeah, you, you, you need to just cut them off, not knowing that you were assigned to that person. 
and God is using you to do a work in them. And he's equipping you and gracing you for the season. So we have to get to a place to where we're not allowing dysfunctional people to really pour into us and allow God to pour into us. So the first voice we need to silence is what? The second voice we need to silence is what? And here's my third one. And y'all, please hang in there with me. We need to silence the voice of our own will. We need to silence the voice of our own will. Sometimes we can get to a place that we are so used to listening to ourselves for so long that we begin to think that our way is always right. And we ask ourselves, Lord, why are my prayers not being answered? God can't pour into a full vessel. He can't pour into a full vessel. He's not going to force you to hear him. We have to get to a place to where we learn how to silence our own will and allow God to come in and say and do what he needs to do. And there's a condition that you must have, and it's called, and it's one word, it's called contrite. Contrite. Does anybody know what that means? If you know what it means, just raise your hand if you know what it means. If you don't know what it means, then it's cool. Contrite means a feeling or showing sorrow and remorse for a sin or shortcoming. You ever met somebody who never was wrong? Like no matter what you told them, they never thought they was wrong. I mean, you paint the picture. I mean, you use flashcards. You give them a video reel. And yet, you don't see this? No. Mm-mm. I don't see it. I don't see it. And sometimes that's how our lives are sometimes. That we can get so used to doing something that when God even tries to present to us where our shortcoming is, we don't see it. And God is saying, I need you to come to me with a contrite heart. I need you to come to me with a heart that's remorseful. I need you to come to me with a heart that understands that, hey, I've messed up. I've missed a mark. And God, I need you to pour into me right now. I need to empty myself right now because I need more of you and less of me. 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 For some of y'all, that's hard to hear because you're so used to you. But God is saying, I need you to learn how to remove yourself out the way and allow me to fill you up with me because he cannot pour into a full vessel. So our prayer is, Lord, I need you to empty me. Empty me because I need you to fill me up. I need you to fill me up with more of your spirit. I need you to fill me up with more of your joy. I need you to fill me up with more of your peace. I need you to fill me up with more of your love. Because, Lord, if I be honest with you, sometimes loving others is very difficult for me to do, especially those who have done me wrong. So, God, I need you to fill me up. So we must come to God with a contrite heart, with a contrite heart. And the second thing is we need to come to God with an open heart with an open heart, meaning that we have to be open and willing to accept what God is doing. We have to be willing and accepting with, God, with what God is doing. But here's the praisiness that the fact that God's hand is still over your life, the fact that even though you've tried to do things your own way, the fact that you've tried to go in your own direction, that his hand is still over your life, that he's still willing to wait on you to get it right. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that that is the kind of God that I serve. Because if I look at my rap sheet, whoo, Jesus, it ain't been right. It ain't been right. And if we can be honest with ourselves, we say we haven't gotten it all together. But I am so glad that he gives me an opportunity. So when it comes to prayer, when it comes to prayer, we need to have a quiet time, right? We need to have a quiet time, and we need to have a quiet mind. Meaning that we have... And the last time I taught Bible study, I told you there was certain you had homework. And I talked about forgiveness because how can we go to God and asking God to do all of this stuff? But yet we're holding people, we're holding grudges, we're holding these things against people when God is saying, I didn't hold that against you. The Bible says that when we sin, it's like we put Jesus on the cross all afresh. So that's why we need to forgive. So the second thing is when it comes to hearing God. In our prayer, when we're praying to God and we're expecting God to speak to us, we have to silence certain voices. We have to silence those voices. We have to silence those voices. In order for you to hear God, you need to silence those voices. 
Say it again. In order to hear God, you need to silence those voices. So before you pick up your phone to text your best friend advice about a situation, pray. Before you allow, catch this, before you allow your emotions to push you in a direction of sin, pray. Because I'm going to be honest, that's, that's where God had to get me. Because how do you expect me to bless you in, in disobedience? You want me to answer your prayer, but yet freely? You finna do me like this? <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> freely? And we just being honest. And sometimes I know it's hard to put the mirror up to our faces because we think we're so wonderful. We think we don't make no mistakes. We don't think we don't miss the mark. But the reality is we are all jacked up. We are all a mess. We, are, we have all come short of the glory of God. But I am so thankful to God that despite all of that, he loves me. Despite all of that, he's given me a second chance. Despite all of that, I still got breath in my body. Despite all of that, he still blesses my life. So when it comes to prayer, we need to make sure we have a quiet time with God. And we need to have a quiet mind. When, that, when is that quiet time? When is that quiet time? Early in the morning. Early in the morning, we need to have that encounter with God. Before your feet touch the ground, good morning, Jesus. Before you touch that phone, Lord, I thank you. Before you think about greeting anybody else, the first voice, the first person that should hear your voice is God. And you have to make sure that it is a daily habit and a daily routine because some of us we can't go 30 minutes without eating if we be honest like hey we miss a meal and we angry can we be honest we be angry we be mad upset but you should have that same energy with your spiritual life the same energy that God if I don't eat from you God I'm gonna die I need you like the very air that I breathe I need you like a fat kid needs cake. I need you, God. So before anything, God, I'm going to make sure I have that early morning encounter with you. Because I love you. And you first love me. Do you know that he knows the depths of your heart, but his love for you never changed? Do you know that he knows everything that you did, are doing, and going to do, yet his love remained consistent? Do you know that that is the type of God that you serve? And because of that, a praise should always come out of your mouth. Because of that, you should be excited. You should be anxious and eager to speak to your God because that is the type of God you serve, that he loves you in spite of. So when it comes to prayer, saints of God, we got some homework to do. Right? Right? Did y'all get something on tonight? Oh, praise the Lord. It's only 8-11. Doing good, right? Doing good. God is working. God is working. Listen, um, I'm not going to lie to you. This, this word was really difficult for me um, because of the fact that sometimes, you know, in certain seasons, in certain situations and circumstances, like sometimes I don't pray because I know what the answer is. Be honest. Sometimes I don't pray because I know what the answer is. But when you have a love and a thirst for God, it's like you, you, you just can't live without him. You just can't live without him. And you go to him with everything on the inside of you. Tears in your eyes, you go to him. You know, pain in your heart, frustration on your mind, you go to him because you know he'll answer your prayers. Romans 8 and 28 is a scripture that I write on my, I put it on my refrigerator and I look at it every day before I walk out the door. For everything is working for your good. For those who love the Lord and are called. He's working everything out for your good. Everything he's working out for your good everything that dysfunctional workplace he's working it out for your good he's working it out for your good but if but we have to get to a place to where we seek him and we speak to him and he speaks back to us for us to understand and he gives us the assurance that he's working it out you get what I'm saying yeah I was blessed on tonight did y'all get something on tonight I got something if we can all stand to our feet.
So saints, right where you're at, we don't have to start tomorrow. We don't have to start next week. We can start right now. Of learning how to have a quiet time and a quiet mind when praying and seeking God. So right where you're at, I just need you to really just quiet your mind, remove everything that's going on, and really connect yourself with God and begin to speak to him and let him speak to you. Hear his voice and what he's telling you. Speak to him and let him speak to you. Father, we thank you, we glorify you for this word, oh God. God, we thank you that, God, you've shown us day in and day out, God, that you are with us, oh God, and that you're giving us an opportunity. God, you created us to have fellowship with you, and God, for that we tell you thank you, oh God. God, we thank you, God, that you want to speak to us, oh God, that you look forward to hearing our voice. And just like David, God, Early in the morning, God, we will open up our mouths, oh God, and speak to you and have that encounter with you, oh God. Because, God, when we have you, oh God, we have all that we need, oh God. Situations may happen on our left and on our right, God, but as long as we have you, we know we'll be all right. God, we may not understand the outcome, but we have you, God. And for that, God, we tell you thank you. So, God, we pray on tonight, God, that as we heard this word, God, some of us, it, it was something difficult because, God, sometimes praying is a little hard sometimes because, God, we have so much things going on in our mind. But, God, we declare, God, that we're going to start silencing those things that's causing us not to hear your voice. But, God, we're making a declaration that your voice is going to be louder than those things, oh, God, that's been governing our minds, oh, God. God, we give you free reign in our minds. We give you free reign in our emotions. We give you free reign, oh, God to do what you want to do in our lives, oh God. Because at the end of the day, God, we want to be better men and women for you, oh God. God, each and every one of us have been chosen with a purpose and a plan, oh God, and we want you to get the glory out of it, oh God. So God, I pray for someone who's going to have to leave here and deal with a difficult situation. God, I pray that through prayer, God, you'll give them peace. I pray that through prayer, God, you'll give them joy. I pray that through prayer, you'll give them understanding, oh God. That God, the situation may not be how they want it to be, but God, that you'll change them in the midst, oh God, and help them to understand, oh God, that you're still working it out for their good, oh God. So God, we ask you to cover their minds, oh God, cover their homes, cover their children, oh God, and just cover us and give us perfect peace. God, we pray for our pastor, oh God, that you refill him, oh God, replenish him, oh God, and continuously feed him, oh God, and let him hear your voice, oh God. And that we pray against the voice of frustration. We pray against the voice of discouragement. We pray against the voice, oh God, of anything that is not like you, oh God. And God, will forever give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise, oh God. And we magnify you on tonight, oh God. For it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And all who love the Lord say amen and amen. Come on, give God some praise and give God some glory in this place. Right where you're standing, listen, uh, make sure that uh, you keep our pastor lifted. Uh, make sure that you give on your way out.